the sauce And that sauce is yours, I double dip All right, we're back. Sneaky Snake episode, back to back. But it's that time of year. It's the beginning of the year. There's big stuff going on. Uh, the two shows I was reviewing, I just reviewed with uh, Soccer Evan and the JML. Uh, we're almost a week old, and there's so much fresh, hot wrestling going on that I just couldn't couldn't let it wait. I had to get that out of the way so that me and Quentin could come back here talk about everything uh we are the uh today we are the crumpling the crumbling empire i said crumpling um which is kind of it looked like maybe that's what Kyrie and sasha were trying to do was crump uh quentin how you doing tonight i'm great um working in a school is tiring but i'm great <laughs> it's shocker right i mean it yeah. hasn't been decades of people complaining about how uh working no, no. Is, is definitely working. not definitely not is <laughs> not enough pay and too much fucking to deal with and and it turns out kids are just fucking insanely obnoxious and annoying um god i was trying to remember this it was a a joke maybe someone listening to this will remember this was a stand-up comedian um who told this joke it was about uh it was before you know i mean i guess i everyone kind of knew but it was before it was a big deal about uh Bill Cosby, and he said, like, uh, you know, Bill Cosby has this show that's called, uh, you know, Kids Say the Darndest Things. This, You know what? This feels like a norm joke now that I think it through. Um, and he was saying, like, yeah, you know, like, oh, and then you just video these kids and they say stupid things because they don't know anything. And he's like, uh, you would also say that stuff if you had no education, um, because that's what kids are. They're humans that have not learned anything. They have no education. And uh, yeah, sure, they say weird things and do weird things. That's because they're not uh, fully, fully developed yet. And that's who you're dealing with, Quentin. Sorry. Uh, oh, oh no, yes. Uh, understand that completely. He just had a kid do a somersault in the hallways today. Oh hell yeah! Just I don't know. End of the day, just did a somersault in the hallway. I don't. Yeah. Really know? Did you explain to them that it's winter? It's not the right season for that. I mean, I just I think I was just so over the day, <laughs> but at that point that like <sighs> I just wanted I wanted to go home and then. Him and another kid like are play fighting and knocking over a trash can, and I'm just cursing the both of them out. So like, yeah, I I, I don't think I really had the energy to address the somersault, and like there was the wrong season for for uh, for for uh for floor routines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Jesus. Um. Well, speaking of giant babies who refuse to uh, listen to reason, what do you think about Vince McMahon doing a hospital takeover of his own company? Ah, uh, yeah, this is so. This is interesting that we planned on coming and talking about New Japan and Noah, I guess, but I know that yeah. neither of us were particularly super passionate about it, or at least I don't think that you had anything that you were super passionate about in regards I mean, to either thing. Yeah. So, like, it was just like you know, let's address it, do something, since I wasn't able to hear to, to able to record other stuff, and then this happens, and it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, might as um, well, yeah. I I mean, none of us are shocked by this. I just, 
you know, it was one of those things like, man, wouldn't it be wild if Vince did that? And then he actually really did it. And it's kind of hard to fathom and understand that. I don't know that like, obviously just being a publicly traded company that people wouldn't have been like, if you do this, we are going to do X, Y, Z. Um, and those certain people that were on the board have stepped down. The person that was leading the internal investigation on Vince stepped down. Yep. And yeah, I just, um, if this didn't become a thing of which investors started pulling out and we saw like a ridiculous stock decrease, then I would be disgusted, but not shocked. But I don't know. It's hard to imagine that this happens and there isn't like a drastic plummet, right? I mean, the stock went up, but that's to me, it makes sense that the stock went up based on him trying to tease a sale, which I think was what he was intentionally doing. Mm. was trying to goose the number by saying that they're going to sell, but I don't think he has any intention to actually sell. But yeah, beyond that, I think not only is there more, obviously more stuff that could and probably will come out that will look very negative. Um, I think when it becomes obvious that there's not any, that this is what it is, which is like I said, like a, <laughs> a hostile takeover um, that, yeah, a lot of people are going to check out when they start to realize that this is not going to end well for the company. This is just an old man being recalcitrant and refusing to to move on. And like you said, it's a publicly traded company, but it's all it's that fucking it's that bullshit where they like create different tier stocks and 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 Vince and only Vince and his descendants is how I think the wording they said is, is like are allowed to vote with like these special kind of shares. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's not really it's like it's a really hinky way to make, say that it's a public company, but like major protections that actually keep the control private still. Yeah, that's just, I don't know. All, all of this is like, what do the words even say for this? Right? Like, right. This is just so like, obviously disgusting and gross. But then if you're even care about the other aspects of like triple H, whatever you want to say was like, at least like, starting to win the sort of like a like a like like you know change the perception or image of WWE for the last uh four four months or whatever since he, since he had been in charge and now like Vince is back do we think that Vince is going to sit there and see the product and then not want to be hands on with it again and not want to do things himself so right. Vince comes back and is back in power and is back in back in decision making in terms of like all like the big corporate stuff, but do I expect Vince to sit there on his hands and look at the product and then not feel like he could do it better? That's absolutely what's going to wind up happening here. And I would be stunned if it didn't. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, like there was, there was some buzz, but it was seemingly starting to fall off the, the, the kind of like triple H's WWE is back kind of situation was starting to plateau and even like slowly like fall off. So it's kind of in a weird way. Maybe it's kind of good timing for Triple H because people will overlook and not really remember it that way. Um, that that like things were not going as well, you know, even just a couple weeks ago or maybe even a week ago. There was the conversation about like Triple H is regretting some of the people that he's brought back, you know, 
So this is kind of good timing for him to be like, oh, that's, you know, uh, you know, look over here. Forget that I was kind of faltering and people will continue to say like, oh, he's doing great. It's kind of similar with the NXT thing, you know, I mean, which is fucking crazy because to me, it felt like NXT was falling off for a very, very long time before he lost control. Um, but even that, I think people overlook and are like, oh, when Triple H is in charge, things are going to be great. It's going to be, you know, Bailey versus Sasha forever. Um, but uh yeah, I mean, obviously he's going to sit at home and get jealous um, and he's going to just sink his company. And I was thinking, you know, it shouldn't be Titan Sports. It should be Titanic Sports because, yeah, he's going to sink. It seems like he's just going to sink this fucking company. And that's like his thing. He can't sit back and just watch it. He has to take it down, which is crazy when you when you know that, like, he's a third, fourth generation promoter who inherited his company from his father. Um, that he uh, has this weird brain that makes him feel like he's entitled to it and it's only his. Yeah, like it literally. He just like mentally can't separate like that. This this belongs to him, like but like what used to be the WWF, the WWF, and now this is like his birthright, basically, or just what he built. Yeah, like that. This belongs to him, and like despite everything that happened. Everything, like all this stuff coming up from like this fucking terrible, awful human being that finally made its way to like public information in a way that it hadn't since a fucking steroid trial. Like that now he still can't just like people can't rein him in enough at all to just get him to stay home and just do and do and do whatever that he like that he just can't stop. And I don't. obviously like there's like you know the gross aspect of like everything that vince was doing and got brought up that like led to him being you know having to quote unquote step down and and everything um but just just the fact that this is gonna be you know they're gonna treat this as business as usual basically Vince is gonna try to treat this as business as usual do i put it above Vince to try to sit there and like come back to tv and say they try to kill me and but i'm back like I don't put I don't put that above I don't put that above him at all. Obviously, we're talking about like a genuinely, objectively bad, horrible person. So yeah, this is very low on the list of bad qualities of Vince McMahon. Is like this coming back, trying to take power back. Like this is very, very low on the list of terrible things that Vince McMahon has done. So I, I just I feel like the, I feel like this should be a bigger story than it. Is this feel like I get why like the stuff with like the law with the lawsuit and things getting brought up were like bigger, but this and like what it could mean for like the future of the company now that this guy is trying to come back and albeit maybe like for sales purposes, but like you could have let Stephanie handle that, right? Like Vince doesn't have to be in the room for to do this, like. That can that can be that can be Stephanie, that can be Triple H, that can be Nick Khan, that can be whoever else. Like this has to be involved in the sale. So if this is to gear up for a sale, that's even more speaking to like, you know, the ego, the like the the ego and like arrogance of Miss McMahon that like he has to dictate the sale and how things go and how things go in the terms here and things like that. When like for like from what I understand, from what we all understand, like Stephanie has been so involved with the business side forever and like good at it that you know, like just just let Stephanie handle it. But like you bringing it back and everything, like I, I don't, I don't know. This is just. Yeah, it, I mean, I don't get it. Oh, go ahead. No, Sorry. go ahead. 
I, that's uh, I I don't I feel like it's bad for podcasting. My conversation style is that like I I always am trying to start my sentence as someone else is finishing theirs. Um, it's just to communicate. Different people have different communication styles, you know. Whatever. Um, but uh, like from what I can tell, from what I heard the breakdown on stuff, my I'll say my crack research department uh, reading the articles because I'll, I'll reference something else as well that has to do with this. Um. Like it does feel like a lot of the sale stuff and people taking that tact on it is is kind of misreading jargon that was happening in between press releases. So it was like a Vince McMahon press release from his side saying, like, I would I think that the board should reinstate me as chairman of the board or or, or install me as chairman of the board and, and install, you know, my two people. Um and you know, and explaining it. And the way that the wording was said was like, so that, you know, the, me, Vince McMahon, the highest vote, you know, the person with the highest votes can be involved in the decision making so that you don't have to second guess that it's going to be approved for TV rights and possible sale. Right. So what he was really saying was not, I'm, I want to come in here and gear up to do this stuff. What he was saying is TV rights negotiations are coming up. And he was kind of giving an ultimatum saying, if you do not put me in this position that I want, I am not going to authorize anything you guys try to do. And just basically say, I'm going to tank the company from the outside <laughs> and keep you guys from doing anything if you don't give me what I want. What the fuck? The board responded saying, Vince, that's great. We love you, buddy. But at this time, we think that we're, what's best for the shareholders and what's best for business is to not have you in that position. No thanks. You know, thanks, but no thanks. And Vince responded saying, okay, well, I was asking, but only to be nice. I, I'm just doing this because I do have the power based on my voting shares and the fact that I'm in control of all of this. I am now back reinstating myself. I'm putting two new people in and two people are leaving the board. To, or three people are leaving the board because they're being replaced by by us three, you know, him, Barrios, and and uh, Rod, what is it, Rodriguez? I don't even remember the other. Um, Wait, hold Barrios. on, Barrios is back? Yeah, yeah, he brought back Barrios and the other vice president who I can't remember her name. Oh, um, the one that was the, the WWE Network one? Yeah, the, the two, the both of them that got fired I, 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 at the same time. What? Um, yeah, yeah. They both got board seats, and then so that's why three board what? members have to be removed. Michelle Rodriguez, right? No, is that that's the actor? Um, oh God, why can't I remember? I, I know, I, I know, I, I'm forgetting. You know the what I'm name. talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, either that, way, that's, wow. Yeah, so he fired. He fired them. Like he, like he, yeah. Like Vince is the one that them. fired them. <laughs> yeah, it's uh Michelle Wilson and George Barrios. Um, are the former co-presidents that were yeah co-presidents with him. Um, and like basically the highest up people, they both got fired, but you have to remember that they got fired kind of on a Nick Khan thing when Nick Khan came in and it was like, based on the fact that they were all in on the network and Nick Khan came in and had them sell the network to Peacock and was like, these people don't know what they're doing. And then relatively quickly after that, I mean, this is conspiracy theory stuff, but then you go relatively quickly after that, the whole Nick Khan thing and the power struggle. And now he's gone and Nick Khan is still there. And so maybe he does see Khan didn't have his back and is not with him. So he wants to bring back his people that he actually trusted because they were on his side. So they're back. Three people are, are removed from the board because they're being replaced by Vince, Will, Wilson, and Barrios. 
but then like you said two other people including the person who was heading up the investigation from the board all they left the board so the board is actually down two people now from where it was originally um so yeah so he basically he gave them an ultimatum that mentioned tv rights and sale selling the company as like i'm not going to let you do anything you want to do if i'm not in you know the chairman of the board they said no thanks and he said actually i'm not asking you know and then just came back um and that's kind of where they're at now and it's like fucking crazy because it is like a hostile takeover he has forced himself back into control and i mean that this was the thing from the beginning and people were kind of being pollyannish about it saying like oh he he can't and he won't just do this but he can and he did so it doesn't really matter we'll see where it goes from here but there's like people there is some you know rumors and conversations about people saying that they could they're going to sue him for this um which you know i guess is possible uh like stockholders doing a class action lawsuit basically against him because you know he's going to tank the company because of wanting to be in charge when he's bad for business but uh but we'll see where it goes from there but yeah this is it's fucking nuts right like it's just out of control you yeah, like what are you supposed to say about this this is just like genuinely insane in a way in which like you almost didn't think that this mcmahon stuff could get even more ridiculous over the past like however like three years from like the saga of hiring Khan and the firings and thinking that was this Nick Khan pulling all the strings and people were like, be like realizing like, no, this is Vince firing these people. Like you can't just put this all on Nick Khan. Nick Khan is just like the guy that's like, you know, taking all the heat for it and all the scandal stuff coming to light and everything. Like this is the whole, this whole like past three years of Vince is just like, just like such a continuous, such a continuous thing, man. Yeah, and like after after this, they're like this is gonna happen, right? Now he's back in power, and now we're just waiting for that next shoe to drop. Of like, okay, what's gonna be the next wild thing that happens? And it's like that's why the crumbling yeah. empire thing was my suggestion because it's like at some point, like I get it, like the years and years of being indoctrinated into like when people think of wrestling, they think WWE. So like I understand that, but at some point, at some point with all of this, there's no way that this company has enough like cultural cultural relevant uh, re- relevance and staying power that they can keep overcoming this like stuff like over and over and over again like at some point at some point this stuff like has to start chipping away at them has to start mattering and obviously like people can point to like viewership and things like that and engagement and buzz about the products and stuff like that but like at some point like the stuff has to start affecting them yeah you would think, but it's like the whole everyone thinks the stock will tank and the and the ratings will go in the toilet and everything will be ruined if Vince leaves and then he does and everything stays the same. Uh, so you think, okay, everyone's over it. But then the second that he's announcing that he's coming back and they're going to sell, the stock goes up. So it's kind of like, well, people believe him, believe in him in some way. Um, and I do think there is something too, and I can't remember where I heard it, but someone mentioning that like Vince... Vince is very intriguing to the mainstream media in a way that like kind of people discount wrestling fans, at least discount that like the wall street journal and the mainstream media actually really find this guy insanely interesting, which like he is, I guess. But I think a lot of wrestling fans at this point are so 
used to it and have so imbibed Vince so thoroughly that they're not really that interested in finding out, you know, any information and listening to this stuff anymore. They just, we all kind of just want him gone. But a lot of like mainstream, you know, media types are still like very interested in hearing more about, you know, the, the background and the story of this guy. So, um, it's, yeah, it's obviously very out of control. Uh, did you see the Saudi Arabia thing? That was what I was going to reference. The the possibility, people teasing that Saudi Arabia is, might be interested in buying WWE. That that article yes. seemed to yeah. that article seemed to to basically read as if it was just someone saying, "Well, they're the kind of they would have the money and they're interested in buying sorts leagues, but there's no real, you know, smoke to the fire." That people are just saying that they're just kind of that's all just raw speculation. But what do you think about that? speculation now that i've prefaced it with the, this is complete bullshit but what do you think <laughs> i mean what do you even say to that though <laughs> like what are you supposed to say to the idea of like fucking saudi arabia body buy, buying wwe like even if it is like baseless again i don't i don't put anything past this, this situation at this point that even if right now it might be it might be unfounded if we came back a few days later, a few weeks or months later, and we were talking about a WWE sale, and maybe they're not like majority shareholders, but if they like, you know, got some, somehow got some stocks invested into the company, like would would you be totally shocked? I I wouldn't be. Yeah, no, that's I mean, that's basically it. Like the answer is very funny. The answer to that to, to that awesome that thing is like seems like it could happen and would be very funny. It's kind of <laughs> the 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 feeling that I get on that. Um Well, any other any other news you want to mention or anything else you want to talk about this Vince thing? Um I mean, I guess as part of like the Wrestle Kingdom show, but I feel like maybe like so what do you think of the idea of Dave saying that Mercedes Monet was isn't supposed to be on AEW? Like do you think that's just Dave the Dave being work stuff, Dave trying to, you know, not do whatever, but it's hard to imagine that, you know, Mercedes would be out here wrestling in a non WWE world and not work AEW. That just seems like a stretch. Even if like she doesn't sign like oh like real like contract contract type of thing. I can't imagine that she sees what like John Moxie gets to do or what Kenny Omega just got to do and like would just have zero interest in a contract. Like yeah. we saw, we we've seen Moxie get to do whatever he wants from day one. Like I just, you know, Sasha's that kind of star. If that's what she's interested in and Tony Khan is clearly like very willing to let that happen. <laughs> well, I mean, it is it is interesting because it does really come down to what is uh, it's Mercedes money, I guess. I, I don't even know. Like, I'm not going to, you know, do a Lanza thing and, and over like over labor pronouncing it properly and repeating it over and over and until it becomes like I'm clearly like mocking something. But I do find it odd that she picked that as the name and that pronoun that pronunciation. Um I get it, but I don't love it. I think Monet makes more sense. It's a name that people are familiar with, that you've heard before. You get it. People would get the concept, um, but it's Sasha, so she wants it to be even more on the nose, um, and that's fine. Sasha, and, Sa Sasha's, Sasha's a FCW PC baby. 
Like, yeah, exactly. You know, it's <laughs> so subtlety so, isn't subtlety isn't exactly her thing. No, but that speaks to again, kind of what I'm talking about here is what it's going to come down to is is where her head is at, um, which also has to do with her background, as you mentioned there, because she's also the first Biff's kid. Not you, not really, but kind of. You know what I mean? She came up in the same area. She actually knew Biff from training. She trained, I think, with Brian Fury originally. Um, to double check that to be sure, but I at least know she came up around that area um, and that time, and she's always been clearly friends with and interacted with Biff. Um, so, like, I wonder, because I talked about it with Jay, when we were talking about stardom and just the roster there and basically Sasha Banks, Mercedes money getting eaten alive by these, you know, kind of wrestlers who are going to really bring it to her. And the thing that always stands in my mind is, yeah, like she's injury prone. She's fragile. She, you know, has the heart, but she doesn't have the body for this life. But how badly does she want it? How badly does she want to work to earn it? And you talked about Moxley, but, you know, Biff and Moxley, you know, possible match of the year for 2022, we'll see, um, are both, you know, gritty, hard scrabble. And you said, like, she saw what Moxley did. Does she want to be like Moxley? I think when I really do think about it and I think about her background and and what she likes about wrestling, yes, I think that she does want to be like Moxley. But the question is, does she, how badly does she want it? And how realistic is she? Because she's on the Mandalorian and John Moxley's not on the Mandalorian. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like Sasha, like in both play in both worlds. Go ahead. Yeah. Sasha's like an actual, like media figure who has like a future and whatever she wants to do. Like if Sasha wanted to become a giant Twitch streamer, she'd become a giant Twitch streamer. If Sasha wanted to like, get into the YouTube world, she become a YouTuber. She wanted to do, be an actress, she could be an actress. Like, Sasha could do whatever she wanted in that her her fans would follow her and she would be successful and grow. Like, she's that, she's that type of figure in media right now. So, one, I guess it definitely depends on, like, do you think, how long do you think Sasha Banks plans on staying in wrestling? Um, And, you know, what exactly are her goals that she wants to accomplish and even if you want to say that AEW has made strides with their women's division like again clearly still a work in progress so like is Sasha like really that adamant oh man I really have to go work with Britt Baker like maybe maybe not more like most likely not honestly does maybe Sasha want to have like a fun bloody brawl maybe hey yeah that's that's possible she could definitely like have something like that that she's interested in. But otherwise, do I think that she's really like realistically chomping at the bit to go work with the AEW women's roster? I don't think so. But at the same time, if you think of it from like a perspective of maybe I'm what this division has been missing the whole time. You know, people have said whatever about this division. I hear about it. I see all the chatter. They were the competition for a while. Like maybe a star like me could be what this division needs to be feel legit to feel legitimized and feel and taken seriously and 
that's like a feather in her cap that she can boast like I'm the one to put the AEW women's division on the map or made it feel credible. That's like a nice little ego thing that 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 Sasha could boast there. So I don't know. I don't. I, I don't feel like on, on a talent level. Like even though she'd have like she could have like solid matches with like Sheeta, Storm, uh, Hater, like and who, and who else they like they like realistically like let her get in the ring with. I think there's definitely something there between Sasha and Jade. Like that's yeah. like really on the nose and perfect. And like if you can make that match happen, then you make it happen. Uh, there's something there to maybe doing like something like some sort of face off or tag team match with like with uh with Mercedes and Soraya. Like I think that there's definitely like stuff there to do. But if I'm thinking of Sasha as the person that wants to go out there and have great matches and be revered for the great matches and the great work that she's doing in the ring, then yeah, I could see her doing a lot of stardom and being a reason why New Japan wants to have more women's matches on the show. Um, and I think it'll be very, very interesting because one, it's just a lot different into, like you said, the women are going to be laying it in there a little bit more, uh, the speed in which they'll be, the speed in which they'll be going at and everything. Like I'm good. I'd be fascinated to see Sasha in there. And I think that she could like easily adapt. I feel like it would take some time though, too, or that's going to take some time depending on what it is. If she's going to pop in just to face the bigger names, like a, Mercedes, like a Mercedes versus Kyrie, if that's what if that's all she's looking for, if we can look forward to Mercedes versus Julia, if we can look for Mercedes versus Shuri or Mercedes Mercedes versus Azumi, like if we if this is a thing where we could where we could maybe see her on a on a somewhat regular basis on the roster, I I'm fascinated to see like how she acclimates in the just of style, or if they like try more adjusting to her, making her making her comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for Mercedes, honestly. Um, and I also think that some of it is, you know, it's her. It, like, it's she's her own limit. She can, she's going to make this decision. And you mentioned it there, but I, you know, and I, I talked about it with Jay. But I think the real thing that crosses my mind that I question is how, how invested will Mercedes continue to be in this after she gets in there with Julia? And sees what that's really about. Because Julia is full contact. And she's the top star. And she's insanely fucking over. And she's kind of, you know. Just all of that. She's got the superstar aura. She's hitting on all cylinders. She's at the peak. And she's full contact physical in their wrestling. And, you know, I've talked about this a ton. As like an evangelist, so people I think shouldn't say the word stiff as a fan. You know what I mean? Like you really shouldn't say that because you don't really know. You never really know what someone's like in the ring. And like as much I'm not one of these like, oh, you can't talk about wrestling if you've not wrestled, right? That's not my point. My point is more like stiff is so fucking like it's really, really specifically about physically feeling what's going on in there. And you can't necessarily say you could say stuff looks stiff, and sure it does. But Julia comes across like she's insanely stiff. Her shit's full contact. She busts people open. She's the top star of the company. She's clearly their focus for moving forward. She's insanely over. She's very popular. And she's got nothing but superstar potential. And is does Sasha really want to go in there with someone like that and get the shit kicked out of her multiple times? And that's uh, going to be, I think, really the answer. I feel like in her head she wants to. Like, 
I feel like if right. Sasha is the wrestling nerd that she wants that she that we that we think she is, to see she's something like Julia versus Tam when they had their big blow off match, you don't think Sasha's looking at that like, man, that looks fucking cool. I want to do that. Yeah. I bet I I bet that she would love to do that. Do you think that her like that she's not that she hasn't thought about all the insane shit that her and Tam could do together? I know I agree with you, and I, yeah, I'm 100 percent with you. I, I know. It's just I, like I just think you know, it's that whole everyone's got a game plan until they get punched in the face thing. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. like kind of the only thing. Like I'm, I know that that's where her heart is. But as you talked about, she's a big time media star who could make a million dollars in a month just for posting on OnlyFans, right? Like Mandy Rose, shout out. Um, but uh, probably more. Like she could probably like oh easily, more. yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, easily more. But you get my point. But or does she really care about wrestling that she wants to get in there and fucking do this and really make art out of wrestling? Because she can and she's proven that she can because you have sickos, you know, almost 10 years ago, I guess not that long ago, but, you know, 2016, it's been a while um, saying that she was the best wrestler on the fucking planet. Right. So clearly there's something there, you know, and like uh, I think that she'll definitely be able to. um be able to if she really wants it, but it's going to be that. Now, this has been a very long-winded answer for the AEW thing. And here's the answer with the AEW thing. I do not think she's the mystery tag team partner. I do not think that that means that she's not going to be in AEW. And I think that that's where the confusion has come down. This is another one of the classic, classic, I need a stinger. We should have like a, a morning zoo crew radio show stinger with the soundboard and all that. Classic. People misquoting Dave. Um, right. Dave just said that someone told him that she's not in the match. Uh, everyone reported it as Dave saying someone who is in the tag team match said that Sasha's not in the match. Um, today or yesterday on Wrestling Observer Live, Brian Alvarez said there is a misunderstanding. Dave did not mean that someone who is in the match said that Sasha's not in the match. He meant to say someone in AEW told him that Sasha is not in that match. So she could still even be in the match, as far as Dave is saying. Um, I don't think that she will be, but I do think that she's going to show up. That's why I'm at. I think she shows up at AEW. The the bet that makes sense is Thunder Rosa, right? That's what everyone's going to say. It should be Thunder Rosa. Probably Thunder Rosa. And Tony has already been announced as showing up, but Thunder would be a good move. Um, And I think that the real answer to why this all makes sense is that New Japan Bushi Road has Sasha under a huge contract. And they've already announced her first match in the States. They are not going to give away or allow AEW to have her first match in the States before them. Mm. So, yeah. And it's also, I think it's even like that match would be in LA and their match is going to be in the Bay. So it's like, it's in, it's even in the same state, you know, it's obviously NorCal and SoCal is not really that close together, but As far as Japan is concerned, we're not going to let AEW have Sasha's first match in America on the West Coast outside of WWE before we before us. So what do, what that's do, why what I think th- there's no chance she's in that match. Go ahead. What do you th- what do you think of Sasha opting to sign with New Japan instead of well, for all we know, she can still sign the AEW deal. But like, what do you make of her signing the AEW, signing the New Japan, I guess, slash stardom date contract. Is that really just because I feel like she just has, is that purely like an artistic, I want to go out there and do whatever with the best, with the best wrestlers in the world type of thing to her in your, in your eyes or. 
No, like, what do you, I what think in my eyes. Oh, sorry. I did it again. No, I did it again. I apologize. No, no, um, go ahead. I was done. I'm sure you're used to it. It's been this long. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm being self-conscious about it. Um, I think that the Bushi Road backed up the Brinks truck, and there's not really any other promotion or place other than AEW that it would have that ability to offer her that kind of money, right? Bushi Road is also not doing an exclusive contract. They're doing a per date appearance contract with for a lot of money so i think that it just made a lot of sense for her and and i think that we don't know we don't know what's going on in the background because she could be under some kind of contract with aew that's just not out there yet as far as you know we're all concerned so i think that's the situation i think that bushi road was the perfect mix of giving her the freedom that she wants it is it does have enticing matches but if you listen to when her, when i was talking to to jay he mentioned that in the press conference post match that that uh, that Sasha is mentioning wrestlers, Tokyo Joshi Pro wrestlers that she wants to wrestle. So I don't even think I don't mm. even know how much she's aware of who she signed a contract with. You know what I mean? Like I, I hate to say that, but um, I think that she just, I mean, or it's just she wasn't really thinking and she's talking about people she wants to wrestle in AEW because Miyu Yamashita has shown up in AEW. So um, you know. That that is a very big possibility there, but the idea that I think that it was just it was the deal that just made the most sense when it came to money, uh, like you said, artistic expression, freedom, and everything involved. So that's why that was why she went with that. And and you know, again, she can just do she can basically end up doing whatever she wants um, coming out of this. So I'm just I'm just I'm just, I'm just I'm just looking forward to the first time Mayu hits her with the dragon suplex and seeing everyone's reactions to it, but uh. Yeah, you know, <laughs> she's gonna ragdoll. She's gonna absolutely fucking. I, 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 oh, oh yeah, Mayu. Like, yeah, I'm very interested to see how uh how a Mayu and Sasha Banks match goes. I'm very, very interested in that. It's gonna be incredible, really. Um, no, I bet it will yeah. be. I just, yeah. you know, you know, people, you know, people are on, you know, obviously, like you know, with wrestler safety and things like that. That if Sasha just happens to go out there right. and take an insane Mayu Iwatani dragon suplex. <laughs> People, uh, people might feel away about that. Yeah, the safety police are going to show up in full force, and the I think that there is a major overlap between the Sasha stands and the and the safety police. They tend to be very similar. Oh, oh yeah, the rest of with all AEW wrestlers are dangerous and yep, yeah, yeah. So. Or, or or when they get or when they get mad at another woman on the roster, it's like look how dangerous she is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Well, it feels like we've gone <laughs> almost an hour uh, just talking about nothing, or not nothing, but news stuff. I guess we're kind of hitting on New Japan here a little bit. I mean, um, I mean, I mean, like realistically, it's like I well, when we've had New Japan discussions in the past, it's like I still enjoy it if I'm just parachuting in to watch matches, right? But like, I don't really have a lot to say here. Like, sure. like there is like I. Well, one, I guess we can get into it and like, you know, do some general stuff right now. And if you had more that you want to talk about that we could do that. But like like I love Omega Osprey. Like well I love I love, I love that. But otherwise otherwise, like the only the thing but and like, I I love, did love Zach and Narita. But otherwise, the thing I'm most passionate about is like, what the fuck? Why did they do Kyrie and Tam Nakano like that? That was that yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the biggest to me, that's the biggest talking point coming out of the whole yeah. fucking thing. It's not even like uh Yeah. Money. That, that, that was yeah. a, that was like that was like what the what was the fucking point? Like, I saw as soon as I Tam saw as soon as I saw Tam hit the Steiner screwdriver, I was like, 
wait, huh? <laughs> like, what's going on? What's going on yeah. right now? Yeah. No. Um, one thing. One thing that I did get coming out of that, and maybe you know, whatever. Um, it is something, and I don't necessarily think it's bad personally because obviously I'm a big fan of Tam. Um, but it was something that I heard, and it's obviously like clearly this is coming from someone who uh does not pay attention, you know, so they're they're not indoctrinated or whatever. But I heard like talking about this match, like and all you know, obviously being insanely turned off by Tam, but talking about how the kickouts didn't even have like a Christmas, right, or whatever. Um, especially from Tam. And I realized like that is kind of Tam's thing. Like if I don't know if you've ever really noticed this or thought about, but when Tam kicks out, she kind of like squirms out, and I feel like yeah. it works with her character. You know, she's not really like an authoritative because she's like very much a big seller, um, and I think that really works for her. But I never really crossed my mind because I'm just so used to it at this point. But like she does do that, and it's kind of it's unique and it's kind of cool, and it's I just think it's really telling, and it kind of like shows certain you know the way that certain people's brains work where they just are not curious and they're not open to different things um where like you see that and your instant reaction is like it's bad because it's not normal and i'm like but it's it works for her you know what i mean so no, yeah no, but no, no, no. I, I love I, I love that i love that like the way tam kicks out. i think that honestly like one of my one of my favorite things about joshi wrestling is how they kick out of things Honestly, because right. I feel like they always like the women, the women are usually kicked out of things in really interesting ways in which you really don't see men do. So yeah. there's like more, there's like, there's like more desperate, there's like more desperation and like feeling like you're trapped in a situation that I feel like you get out of watching Joshi wrestling and Joshi wrestlers, Joshi wrestlers figure out their way out of a pin. So no, I, I love that. I love that about Tam and watching Tam, uh, Tam matches, but Kyrie and Tam go six minutes. They probably much tell them to get their shit in and, get, and like you know let's get, let's get to the angle, and I'm yeah. like okay what the f- what was the point like yeah. you have I I understand that there's a lot on the card, but Jesus fucking Christ guys like seriously yeah. like this could like this couldn't have gone eight minutes like it couldn't have gone eight like I just. I don't understand for the story that Zach and Narita and Zach and Ren Narita were telling. They could have taken like taken two minutes off of that if they really wanted to. Basically, like that was a pretty straightforward story. I mean, you know I, that it's not about time. I I, I know that's if, if, even if it was a time thing. That's like even trying to even if it was a time thing. Yeah, it's up this time you could take off. So at that point, it's just like well, you, you just told them to go out there and just have a short little match. Yeah. Which I just I mean, they probably gave him five minutes. They probably told probably told him to go five. Really, man. I I really just that pissed me off. Like as soon as I saw the Steiner screwdriver car kicks out, I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then Kyrie heading up top, I'm like, oh god, this is this is over. This is just it. Yeah. And like it wasn't even like like it was like a really intense like five minute sprint or anything. Like yeah. it wasn't like that. It was very much just like a random TV match kind of feel to it. Um. Like random, like random stop on a, or a random stop on a tour type of thing. I, yeah, I was really disappointed by that. So, if this is the if this is a what you're looking for on, on this Wrestle Kingdom semi review, uh, yeah, we're more most passionate about 
Tam Nakano and Kyrie not getting enough time. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be fair though, like there's a lot of stuff that should have gotten more time. That said, like you can look at my wrestler of the year list last year, and I think that like probably Tam is higher than like every other person on this fucking show. Really, maybe Okada and Jay White were higher. Maybe, maybe you know, like. Like, so at her peak, I think Tam Nakano actually could have ended up being like one of the better wrestlers on this whole fucking show. And you're going to tell me, yeah, like that she only deserves fucking six minutes. It's, it's honestly a joke, but a ton of stuff was was relatively short when you do like look at it and break it down. Um, Like, you know, the tag title match was pretty short for an FTR match, which is kind of weird. Um, The junior tag title match was was pretty short for. I mean, obviously, it's the junior tag title, so it's going to be short. But with how good both of those teams are, it's kind of unfair to give them such a little time. Uh, Narita and Saber, like you said, could you could have actually taken some time off. And I wouldn't even necessarily say, like, n- not even just that you could, but, like, that the match did not really warrant a ton of time because there was not... It was good, but it was not kind of what I was hoping for, what I was looking for. And that's not even just the finish. That's like the match itself as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, a somewhat disappointing show, except for the fact that like. okay, you've got and and one thing that I think is like a a comparison, because you had mentioned talking about the Noah, the New Year's show is like that. These are show these are shows that are built around the top two matches and the top two matches in a weird way kind of mirror each other. Um, not just in the card placement, but the style, everything about them. Um, because, you know, I say like, this is a pretty, it's a pretty unimpressive show for like, it's supposed to be your big show, but that's kind of the, the difference between what I'm looking for and what a lot of other people are looking for. Right. It's, this is, people are looking for bright lights. They're looking for this over the top, get in, get out, hit, hit a bunch of spots. And, and people are really, really like satiated by that. There's a lot of people who like, at the end of this, they think that this is great because they got that, but like, it's not for me. And then we've also got the fact that coming out of this fucking show, when we talk about the two matches, the top two matches, coming out of this fucking show, I'm hearing primarily people saying Okada and Osprey, or not Okada and Osprey, Omega and Osprey is literally the greatest match of all time. That is a common refrain I'm hearing. Right. And you said, you know, you liked it and I enjoyed it. I'm not saying that I disliked it. I'm not, you know, the, the, on the hater side of the whole thing. I actually, I will say it was a pretty good match, but at the end of the day, this match kind of, this match and the main event both kind of pour through me. And they're not things that I get much out of. If I'm being perfectly honest, nothing really sticks with me. Um, and people are saying this is the greatest match of all time. Quentin, like, am I, how do you feel? Do you think this is the greatest match of all time? I mean, no, of course not. Like, <laughs> I love the match. I mean, I've also been the same person that's like, when Omega and Okada happened at Dominion in 2017, I thought that was the best match ever. And people were getting really swept up, swept up in that. And, like, I that one actually truly felt and believed. So, like... I'm not the person that I'm not the person that says if, pe- if pe- that it's all hyperbole or whatever. Pe- like, I think there's all there's room for people to feel that way because I'm a guy that felt like that at one point with a match. So, sure. I get I get so I get that I get why it could also be like a frustrating thing to see and that things just can't be good sometimes. That things always have to be the best thing ever. Um, 
But like that's why, at least for me, like I don't really pay attention to a lot of Twitter stuff as much anymore about wrestling. So sure. I was just able to parachute in and be excited because I'm like, oh yeah, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay haven't wrestled each other in six years. Like that's really cool. That's a really protected match, and it's a two wrestlers I enjoy. So I'm gonna go out there and I'm excited to see what this match looks like. And this match was everything that I wanted it to be, and even deliver some things that I didn't really pers- like expect. Obviously, they were doing things to babyface Osprey leading into the match, but they did even more than I expected them to. We to the point where Osprey actually got some color. I'll, you know, Osprey's been a blood packet coward his whole career, but I think that was an actual blade job this time. Um, so I, like honestly, it looked like it could have even been hard way. But yeah, like it looks like it was actual. It looks like that was actual blood this time. So, hey, all right, you know what? Good for him. Like, like, and the way that and the way that they baby faced him entirely during the match was like reminiscent of Kenny and Okada at the dome. And when Okada is getting into into that dominant into that domination of of Kenny and Kenny is fighting and trying to scratch and claw his way and that really being the moment that made Kenny Omega. In New Japan, in the eyes of some people, I feel like this was supposed to be a mirror thing for uh, for Osprey here, and maybe using Kenny as an as this eventual obstacle for Osprey for Osprey to climb. So I I I enjoy I enjoy that aspect of it. Um, Osprey to people might be more of a natural babyface, and I feel like he does both heel and babyface really well, but. And this is like obviously a big spot and all the theatrics and stuff like that. But the Osprey was really, really good here working babyface. I thought he was excellent. His gloss, his glossy eyes selling, his bumping, his stooging down the stretch, like just just to kind of like seamlessly like throw in like some stooging as Kenny's doing those like old school punches and doing that. And like this could be seen as goofy. I don't know, but like going from the Kenny doing those like jabs and the ways Osprey is bumping and selling for them to Osprey doing the Kawada kicks. Like I like I liked it. I didn't think it was like a goofy thing at all. I, I actually like really enjoyed that little that little segment there. But I thought Kenny I thought Kenny was uh I thought Kenny was awesome, but I really feel like this is a match made by and driven by Osprey and that's by design. This is supposed to be a big coming out moment for him. This is no longer him lean on the on the heel leaning side. This is him like being geared up for a big baby face run. This is how things work in New Japan. So that's just like what the plans are for in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four. But I thought that this was executed on all fronts really really well. I love the action. I love the sequences. It's Kenny Omega with Osprey. Like all the stuff that you would think that they're gonna do with each other, they went out there and did. We got a fucking. Kreutz Wrath. We got a whole bunch of like crazy, yes. insane stuff. That top rope DDT onto the exposed buckle is nuts. Like, genuinely insane. I love the spot of Kenny just smashing his head through the table. Like, <laughs> like that's such a yeah. small, simple spot. I love that spot so much. So, no, I don't think it's the best match ever. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that at all. But I, I really, I really, really enjoyed this. And I want to see more of it, and I'm not sure what's going to be the frequency of Kenny being over in Japan or uh, anything like that. You know, he won the match, and he's the U.S. champion, so we'll see where that goes, but, like, 
Kenny recapturing the belt that was made for him. The mirrors yeah. between the between the Omega and Okada match from Wrestle Kingdom of 2017. Like, there's a bunch. There's a bunch there. Like, so I'm really fascinated to see if there's a story that gets continued here long term. But I really did love the match. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, the whole like again, like I said, it nothing really sticks with me. But I, I, I guess just like. You know what doesn't what doesn't do it for me is like stories based on moves and people New Japan like lore and New Japan geeks really like reference this stuff and really get into it but like it's it's very much a New Japan thing that they do in the modern era a lot where it's like doing moves that are references to other people and other like background pieces of the story is like big cruxes and and pieces of of the storyline and it just that doesn't stick with me as much as like just telling the story with the physicality to me like doing a specific move as like the way that you tell the story it's just to me it just feels a lot more empty and a lot more hollow than like yeah like telling the story through like i said through the physicality the selling through that stuff that said i mean Something that's not exactly a reference, but is in there, and you mentioned it, does is the kind of thing that gets me, which is Kenny doing the top rope Kreutz Wrath. Like that, that's something that stands out to me because that's something special, but that's not Kenny doing a move that's a reference, really. That's I mean, it's it's a reference to his own history, but it's not like a reference to, you know, AJ Styles and the Bullet Club, which is weird because it's like Will has his own thing and it is in the in the um you know the united empire and his whole thing but it still feels like we're doing this like history of the bullet club is the history of gaijin wrestlers in japan right like and that like that connection there with doing the the styles clash um i guess you could say kenny kind of breaks that mold by doing the kamagoye right so it's not necessarily just about um you know the bullet club oh, but oh 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 yeah i didn't even mention like you know osprey mentions it in his uh in his uh, promo at the press conference but the fact that there was like that there was some tension between him and Omega about uh, regarding the Abushi thing and when he debuted the Hidden Blade at that Wrestle Kingdom, like the fact that right. there might like so there like there's a whole bunch there that like I really enjoy and like again like might not, might, everyone might not be invested in it or care about it or feel like it's anything sub- of, substance, of substance when adding to a match, but all the, all that stuff I just really 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 enjoyed and. Especially that Abushi thing, like I almost kind of forgot about it down the stretch, and then he does the arm. Then he like does an arm trap German. I'm like, oh, oh, like I like I forgot that that was a part of that. And then yeah, you know, the, the fact that like he did it and then went straight into the finish with it, I thought was really good too. So like I said, I I liked I liked all that, but go back that, but back to your point about like kind of like the history of uh, yeah, well, I, like I said, or whatever. It's just it's really it's just like doing moves at doing specific moves as references to being like a shortcut to storytelling and you talking about the hidden blade like that works for me in this match because it's not necessarily it's a detail and it's something that can be referenced in a post-match you know conversation but in the match itself it's just osprey hitting some like really wicked looking hitting blades repeatedly and they look really good and that's his move you know so like that's fine but like doing like again like doing the styles clash doing the phenomenal forearm, that kind of stuff where it's like, this is references. You're supposed to like get the, you know, the history between the, you know, all this, like 
that just it's not it's hollow it does it's hollow for me it doesn't i don't get like super invested in it doing this stuff with like the the risk control you know and see, you're see, saying like the, that's, the risk, that's the risk the risk control was weird because yeah and i feel like that's like the one thing about the master that annoyed me that when they do the zoom in risk control spot and i'm thinking that since they're baby facing osprey that maybe he would do a rainmaker right like that's what i thought they were building up to like they would build up to like Kind of like Kenny doing like a like his like you know like his rainmaker is like his rainmaker V trigger thing, and Osprey ducking it and doing like an actual rainmaker because why else would you do the zoom in on a wrist control? Right. So that was like the one nitpick and thing that annoyed me about the match, and it's just more of like a visual thing and a cinematography thing than like the actual like wrestling or storytelling itself. But I was just like, okay, like that's. What was the point of that? And then you did really did nothing with it. And you know what like the risk control means within the context of New Japan. So like, why would you highlight that? And then it just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and the basic story of the match without all that other stuff, I think is actually really good, which is that Kenny is back in Japan. Kenny is trying to be you know, Kenny Omega that everyone knows and loves um, in in Japan in general. But he can't being explosive and fast paced and high flying and all that stuff, being a junior heavyweight kind of style as a heavyweight. Osprey has his number and would basically take care of him. But but Osprey has spent years at this point, and we've talked about it here, trying to shed that image and you know, work on his insane striking. He's got this, you know, the Stormbreaker finish, which is like different than any of his other finishes because it's based around power. It's like it is fast and it's quick and it's snappy, but it's a power move at its core. Um, and then you've got the hidden blade, which is a strike. So him trying to kind of change and, and do that stuff and, and not necessarily focus on his high flying. So he's very easily goaded into brawling and going trying to go power for power with kenny um be because kenny realizes that he's not going to be able to keep up with okada when it, or with osprey when it comes to high flying like i liked that dynamic and that story was done really well and that plays into what i mentioned with the kreutz wrath which is like a great move for kenny to break out when what he's doing is he's showing off that he's going to win in a power-based game by hitting a top rope kreutz wrath which is an insane power move that's fucking crazy and he hits that and absolutely demolishes him and that's why it's a rare move. It's something Kenny doesn't do a lot and it shows off and it fits perfectly in the dynamic of what's going on here. So like that, I thought that story was great and I thought that it played into the finish. Everything was perfect. Now here's, here's the rub. And this is again, always grinding the ax. This is me. I can't help it. Um, listening to podcasts, Vince, Vinny Verhey, big Vinny V from Brian and Vinny show. He knew that it was a Kreutz wrath, right? Joe Lanza didn't. What the fuck? What the fuck? Come on, man. Um, even, even if you're not a moves guy, that's like, right. you know, it's weird. It's weird. It's very weird. That was a very shocking thing for me when I heard Vince, when I heard Lanza being like, he hit a top rope, like German thing. It was really impressive and like explaining it and talking about it as if it was something he'd never seen. Before. Like, like you, like you, like, you know, that move where you like, you, yeah. like you, you like should. You, like I would think that you should know that move. <laughs> yeah, and then Vince Verhey just saying he had a top rope of Kreutz Wrath, like it was everyday thing for him. I was just like, what the fuck? This is weird. This is a weird day. Um, now here's the question: 
because this is the story that I like. What story do you like coming out of this? Osprey wins the G1. He needs to prove himself. He needs to win the G1. He does face Omega for the title at Wrestle Kingdom next year from winning the G1 to get this win back, to get the big thing back. But does he need to win the IWGP title from Kenny at the Dome next year? Or does he win the U.S. title back at the Dome next year? What do you think? So I think that there's another show that's probably going to happen called Forbidden Door. And sure, sure. I just feel like it just really depends on like how much Kenny wants to be doing Japan because you could extend this story out for another year if you wanted to. But if you don't, then you have an easy out and like you could do for that you're going to do forbidden door in uh in the summer and that is a match that already has been done. You can do it in the US now and you could just announce that match and you would sell out. So yeah. So I don't so I, so I think I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not, I don't I'm not I feel like it's definitely gearing towards an Osprey story. Like I feel like now we see what Shingo's we see what, what where Shingo is in New Japan now. Like he's established, he's credible, he can be a challenger for anything, hold any belt, do whatever. We kind of see where Shingo is now. Osprey's clearly the guy that's like, okay, we're going to keep pushing forward and forward and forward with him. So I think that it's very likely that Osprey wins a G1. It's probably going to be Osprey or Naito, I'm guessing. Um, And I'm not, I'm not really sure what I think the better story is because I feel like either, like, Whenever you do the moment, I feel like it works. Maybe should that moment happen in Japan? Probably. And I guess maybe like the argument against it being offered Ben and Door uh in that capacity, that maybe that moment should happen in Japan. Um I don't I don't I don't know, man. Like I just just coming coming back winning the G1 to challenge for the US title, just I don't know. Yeah, I get you. But do, so Here's the other side of it. Do you think that they would they would put the IWGP title on Kenny at this point? We don't it would, again, it I guess would part depend, of it is we don't know. It would depend it on things. It, yeah. it would depend on things shook out. Like who is Kenny dropping the US title to? Like if you're telling me that you could like get like Kenny and Shingo out of this or right. something like that, then like, oh, by all means, please. <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and run Kenny and Shingo and have Kenny drop the belt to Shingo. Okay, awesome. That's perfect. Great. But well, or you do Kenny and Jeff Cobb or something. Like, well, they are already, doing that, actually. They, they already teased that that match is happening Dash. From, from the Dash, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah Kenny, you do Kenny, Kenny and Cobb, which, God, that could be really awesome, actually. <laughs> but, yeah. but, like, just like, it just, it just really, it just really depends. And, like, man, Okada needs something to do. Let's be honest. Right. Like, Okada needs something to do. Like, is it really that far out of, out of the realm of possibility to maybe see Okada and Omega ever been indoor? Is that maybe asking for too much? I just because we don't we just don't know what the nature is of Kenny's like how often he's gonna be working New Japan. Like, and I think that's really gonna be the thing that dictates this is like how often do they get to use Kenny 
like is Kenny gonna be on all the big shows? Is Kenny gonna be able to like actually be involved in the storylines? Like is Kenny gonna be able to like build stuff on like those in between shows? Is like what like what is Omega gonna be like allowed to do or right. have the have the willingness to do? And like that's gonna really gonna dictate a lot of where this goes. But either way, like with a lot more Omega interaction or not, like this is gonna be like the Osprey year, basically. You know, I'm thinking about it and I'm just it feels fast. It really does. To me, I'm thinking like old school New Japan, the way that you build, like I could see it taking a year to getting back to this for Osprey to revenge this loss and prove whatever and like fully establish himself as as a top tier babyface. And the crowd wants to see him. And at Tokyo Dome, you know, he goes up against Omega and wins back the title after whatever happens in between. Um, Like, that would make sense in the context of, like, how New Japan does stuff, where it would take over a year to get to that point. But but also have to keep in mind that there is the new prime directive that Bushiroad wants stuff moving faster. And, you know, we've just had a weird stasis of a couple years either way to where... I don't know if it would be insane to say that we don't end up with needing because we still haven't gotten, you know, the Osprey redemption of the of being able to beat Okada at the Tokyo Dome, right? Right. Like he hasn't he hasn't gotten that. So, so he could he could honestly win the G one and do that next year. Yeah, like the and the Omega thing can like the Omega thing for as long as we have more Kenny, like we can revisit that. Like Maybe that winds up being like an Okada Nakamura situation, and we just never actually get to see where that could have gone. Who knows? They, but like, you know, like, like you can always attempt to come back to that at some point, God willing. Well, I could still see it happening at Forbidden Door, like you're saying. I could still see it happening at Forbidden Door, but not necessarily being a focal point of New Japan's story. Right, right, right. right. Because so, yeah. Hmm. Oh, and just, go ahead. No, 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 you're right. I'm trying to like, I think, uh, like I said, I don't, I, I, this, I think this is still like, I really just want to know like what the intentions are. Like, is this going to be a thing where this is going to be so we could like, oh, the rematch that we've been waiting for, Osprey Omega at Forbidden Door. Like, that works and that's perfect. Right. That's a really perfect thing to do just historically with New Japan. I think that's why we're hesitant or why I'm so hesitant. I'm like, uh, wait, hold on a second. But now when you bring up like the directive and wanting to speed things along faster and like that makes a lot of sense too. Osprey already has the Okada story, things like that. So yeah. like I said, if I really feel like G1 is either Osprey or Naito next year. Yeah, um, I, so I like, can that's definitely why. see where you're coming from with Naito, but like, um, and I'm sorry, I talked all over you, but ahead, Os- it feels like it's gotta be Osprey. It just, I don't yeah, I just don't see Naito at this point winning it again. It's I just it's gotta be Osprey. Like without any question. Um Do you wanna move on to this main event real quick where you just kinda of talk about it? Uh Okada, um, Jay White. Uh, I don't, oh, what did you is, think? I don't really know. Honestly. I don't really okay. know what I thought. Um okay. I really liked it, honestly. I wanted I to thought, it's just uh-huh. I don't know, man. I feel like the other stuff that they might have had in the past with each other just wasn't really there this time. Like, and I like didn't anything sure. like 
wrong in the match. Like everything about it is like done really well, but just that like extra thing that their matches in the past might have had to made me enjoy them just wasn't there for this one. Which is disappointing because this is the time where the crowds can engage again and vocalize and do all this stuff. And like you really want to hear what Jay White can incite now that these now that the crowds can be vocal and boo and do whatever. And like it just never really got there. And like mechanically it's fine. The story to tell is fine, but like it just doesn't really get there and like kind of like leaves me kind of like confused confused about the match a little bit, I think. Sure. I could see that. I I really enjoyed it. I thought Jay I think Jay continues to be one of the best heels in the world. I think that it's really impressive the way and it's not just the way that he goats the fans and all that stuff that he does, but it's also the way that he sells. It's also the way that he shows ass with no remorse. It's also the way that he's willing to slink and be sleazy and not really try to be cool in any way when it comes to the physicality and the wrestling. He doesn't he doesn't ever really try to take any shine away from his baby face. And I think that that's why him and Okada historically have such great chemistry with each other is that the crowds, the fans, the wrestling, the story, everything demands Okada being the golden boy. And Jay never tries to compete with him in that regard. And a lot of other people that wrestle Okada and a lot of other people that have rivalries with Okada, they don't wrestle the same way. They do not just allow Okada to shine the way that Jay does. That said, I, I'm with you. I don't think that this is their best match. And I don't think that was this was the the best like dynamic that they've ever had, which is interesting because they do have a vocal crowd and they have the whole situation. I thought Jay did a good job playing with that and, and kind of still joking around with all the stuff that he did during the pandemic. But it's still early and it's still new and it's still like, you know, trying to get back in the groove of things to like actually doing that. Um, the interesting thing that I come out of this thinking about and it really does cross my mind. Again, this is like something coming from hearing some other people talking about the match and talking about Jay White in general is like people kind of saying Jay White feels like he's missing something. Jay White feels like, you know, he's not quite there and there's just something missing. He's not necessarily quite a top guy. And this is the thing that crossed my mind that I just find incredibly weird is that we're at this point going this long with this the Switchblade character. Um, that I think it's kind of easy for people to overlook that like young lion Jay White in 2015-2016 was looked at and seen and pro projected in everyone's mind to be a natural all-time white meat babyface. High flyer, clap your hands, fire up, babyface who does all of these crazy high spots and all this you know insane action and we have not seen that in like five years six years we have not seen babyface jay white and my my thought and my question about that is not just isn't that kind of crazy to think about because when he started it was like pretty much a given as everyone was considered that this was going to be a top babyface star based on his natural charisma as a babyface and how the crowd loved him. Not just that, that side of things, because he's obviously shown this insane charisma and natural instinct as a heel. But the other side of it that I thought about is, can that switch be flipped? Based on how Jay White wrestles now, do you think that he can ever go back to that physically? Like, do you, is Jay White 
that kind of athlete still because he doesn't ever do it. I wonder if he still trains to be able to do high spot Jay White, like because he never does any fucking high spots anymore. Can Jay White still do high spots? Like, right. Quentin, what yeah. do you think about that? Can Jay White ever <clears throat> be that baby face that we used to think he was going to be? I think so. Um, I feel like he's just doing what. And maybe for a long time, you might not see it, right? Like, show the, show the Aminos on the horizon. And, like, that's clearly the guy that they're going to be grooming to be, like, the next great baby face, right? So, like, maybe we just don't see that version of Jay for a while. And maybe we just don't ever get to see it in New Japan, honestly. Like, that's a real possibility. Like, the next guy, the next, like, foreigner that they hitch their wagon to might not be coming through for a long time. You know, like, that guy that guy just might not be coming. And if that's the case, then, like, this is just what they need from Jay. And I would love to see what babyface Jay looks like and see what, like, see him get that chance to do a thing that he has, that he, like, was pegged to do like that what we like what that we thought he was like primed to do but i also feel like there's like a there's like a real that's a really good chance that like we also just might never ever see that guy because of what like the company itself needs right now as it's try as it's attempting to like gear towards the future some more so yeah. i think he could i think he can do it because i feel like the things that jay is good at naturally leads itself naturally leads itself to being a great baby face like with the way Jay sells strikes and the way that he gets all glossy eyed and falls over, he like uses it very usefully as a heel. But that's a babyface skill. That is a skill that's easily babyfaceable. And it's still clearly to me, it's still very clear to me he's a natural with that type of stuff. That it comes very naturally to him. So if that switch ever was flipped then I wouldn't have any issues or any concerns with Jay being able to pull it off. But I think right now it becomes an issue where I think right now Jay just is needed to be this. And it might get boring and it might get repetitive. And like, I'm going to, and I might feel bad for him if this has to keep going and persisting like this. And I'll understand people's frustrations or getting tired of it unless they make changes to the act or do whatever. But I think, this is just kind of what's needed from Jay at the moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and we talked about it. He's he or I talked about it just now. He's the perfect foil for Okada, who definitely needs someone like this, um, to continue to help him shine as the top star that he is. Because there's not really a lot of other you know rivals that Okada has in the company that really allow him to shine as well as Jay does. And it does become diminishing returns, unfortunately, where you do like this match was not built. Well, that's probably a big part of it too. There was like nothing getting you excited going into it. You talked about it, the physicality is there. I, I mentioned that I really think that Jay did a great job for what he was doing here. Okada is obviously Okada. There's no arguments there. They're following this insane match, which I think that did really, it did really add to making the opening segment of, of, Jay and Okada feel like it was like a major league, like cool down, like reset kind of situation, which definitely makes it harder for a match to, to live up to that when they have to like start super slow and build up. Um, I do think that they got there where by the end they had really built it up to a feverish pitch. Um, 
obviously they have to like obviously that's the fucking point of being the main event and being the top guys is that you have to be able to do this kind of stuff so that's not necessarily like this big impressive thing but it does it is an uphill battle and it does make it difficult um all right that said anything else on uh wrestle kingdom you want to talk about uh, no i mean like i really like zach and ren narita um good. cool little cool little thing to have the two guys that had shibata's two matches on wrestle kingdom um not wrestle kingdom but just like shibata's last two matches in general yeah, yeah. um uh Go out there and face off with each other. So I thought that was really cool, and that they that had a belt great is nice hideous, for that. Right? Yeah, Sorry. I, 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 I just really, I just realized how many belts they had too, and it's like Jesus fucking Christ, there's so many of them now. But yeah, but like now nah, that's uh about it for me there. Uh, I mean, what? How about your uh, Noah fan heart? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was gonna TMD, say T- TMDK reunited. Uh, that's super sick. Obviously, obviously no Jonah, but you know at least they got Slex. Um, so. Yeah, very excited to see TMDK. I heard someone saying, like, oh, they used to be a group or whatever. And it's like, ah, you know, Zach was never officially part of TMDK, but yeah, they nah. definitely yeah. they definitely played around and had fun with each other in Noah. So that was neat to see because yeah, I remember those guys interacting back in the day in Noah. So that was cool. Um, obviously Zach, he dyed his hair blonde because he's trying to pretend like he's Australian, so he wants to look like a fucking bell end. Um, so that works. It works out for him. What do you think about that? Do you think about like Zach is now like the top guy in TMDK? Like it ha- should a, is there a faction that like their top guy should be the IW or the yeah, IWGP? I guess it's New Japan, the New Japan World Television Champion. Is that like a worthwhile faction that your top guy is the television champion? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Zach's always kind of been like a pushed and somewhat protected guy in New Japan. Sure. And I think that we always kind of imagine that like Zach, I mean, I can imagine that Zach would get his own group at some point, like when when he first yeah. came in. Yeah, so, yeah. like, it's not entirely shocking to me. Um, maybe this means we'll get more Zach single stuff and more Zach push, and more of a Zach push. Uh, as 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 this goes on, but I'll, 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 my my response to that, to that would be that Zach has always been kind of like a protective guy in the company. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think, yeah, it's a it's a neat little, it's just like a little title for him to have. He can have some good matches. He can do some stuff. He'll probably, I mean, if they start booking like Zach TV title match defenses on the uh, on the New Japan Hollywood shows, I'll be more likely to go to them. Um, so, you know, that'll be maybe somewhat worthwhile. I feel bad. I should already, I honestly can't believe I haven't gone into any at this point, really. There's been a couple times where I really thought about it, but it just hasn't worked out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if they start bringing Zach over here to have like a little showcase with this title. I'll definitely check it out. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's nothing else on the show that I really think needs to be talked about. Um, do you want to talk much about this Noah show? Uh, I don't got a lot to say on it. Um, I just like suggested it because like it was there and it's wrestling and everyone and everyone always watches all the wrestling when the year starts. That's so um, yeah. I really enjoyed uh, seeing Kenta and Mara Fuji team up versus Sagira and Kojima, I didn't love the match, but I thought it was really, really fun. I thought it was, I thought that was really good to see seeing Sagira and Kenta in a ring together again, facing each other. Yeah. Just like, oh, just like does so much for my heart. I, I love it so much. Uh, Kiyomiya and Kano is just, I love them together I, so much. I yeah. just adore them together. I honestly would almost say. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, this is crazy, but Kiyomiya and Keno, my first feeling was that I liked it better than anything on Wrestle Kingdom. Really. 
I don't. I'm not, like, mad, I'm not mad at that. When I first watched it, like I just, and that's why I say that the two shows were kind of like two. The two top matches really mirrored each other. The semi main event was just this incredible fucking like almost yeah, awe inspiring physicality, but but Kiyomiya and Keno really felt like there was a ton more drama there and just a lot more. A lot more that I could sink my teeth into because like uh, like I mentioned, like it just felt like it was about the physicality. It wasn't about like doing a couple of certain moves and telling like these kind of stories. It was just it was brutal. It was it was violent. The fucking the, the struggle back and forth. And then like Osprey and Okada or Osprey and Omega obviously had just a ton of insane spots and blood and all that. But like, I don't think anything in osprey omega compared to the falcon arrow on the ring apron yeah no that uh yeah yeah. so it's like that whole match of crazy spots did not like have anything that that hit the same level as that that was fucking wild these two have insane chemistry with with each other so yeah just like great stuff and continuing to build the the champion as we talked about in the past here the ghc champion with kiyomiya really like building up and, and starting to like put some build build up a legacy as the champion here finally in his second reign and now that Mudo's long gone hopefully hopefully he just doesn't drop the title to Hase you know but yeah like my that was my first blush was just like Jesus like that I like that better than anything on Wrestle Kingdom really and like but that said like you know going back and kind of rewatching the Wrestle Kingdom stuff it's like ah, I like to kind of make it right more than I remember Jay White and, and Okada I think I like a little bit better like on like second viewing and stuff but Initial reaction, this was fucking phenomenal. I absolutely adored this match. I don't remember what I was going to say. I think that... um. Okay, let me do this. Isolated the singles okay. matches. Let's do that. Only one-on-one. Okay. So, yeah, I was going to say that I feel like this wasn't... Yeah, this wasn't the first time in which Kano and Kiyomiya had arguably the best match on Dome Week because I was going to say in 2018. So that was... The show oh, made yeah. that, that was the show main evented by Okada by Okada uh Okada Naito. Uh was that Kenny and Jericho? Yeah, yeah. Which was Kenny, was okay, but yeah. Kenny and Kenny and Jericho. And it was Shibata not Shibata, but uh Goto Suzuki on that card. Which was fucking incredible, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember liking Kiyomiya Kano from January from January uh six a little bit more than that match too. So this isn't the first time that like Kiyomiya and Kano have done that either. So like yeah, they have a habit of like yeah. being show stealers during 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 Wrestle Kingdom week. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Just phenomenal with each other. Um when you were talking about Kenta Marafuji, the only like Kenta Fuji thing that I just even now, even at this point, when they're both kind of like semi washed up and and like whatever, like I don't know what it is because you know obviously there's a lot of people who really like Marafuji, but my natural inclination is just like Kenta is so much cooler. I just like Kenta so much more. Like, but there are the Marafuji people. I don't understand the Marafuji people really. Like, am I am I crazy? I feel like you agree with me probably, right? No, I agree. I never really un. I, I can't. I can't fathom thinking that there was any. There was ever, maybe when they were really, really, really young. But even then, yeah. I always vastly preferred like rookie era Kenta over rookie era Murafuji. Anyway, like 
Yeah. I don't know. For me, I can't even fathom ever liking Marfuji more, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, I just he's just even now that they're like getting older and like kind of settling into things like Kenta with the the hairband and and the 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 asymmetrical tights. He's just he's just cool. He's just naturally way cooler even now. Um but yeah, that, that like you said, that match was good. Did you watch the junior tag title match? I did not. Should I go back for it? Uh it's it's decent but not nah, I mean it's it, not really. Casey dropping the tag titles is sad because he no longer has the tag title triple crown, but uh but no, I mean it it was decent but whatever. I would recommend going back to watch Jack Morris versus Thatcher if you didn't watch it, but maybe you did. No, I didn't see it. Yeah, I would recommend going and checking that out. Jack Morris, and maybe I'm just like fucking really out of touch here. Um, but I see something in this guy for sure. And I know that like he's been a Noah guy for a couple of years, but not very long. Maybe even only like last year. Um, he was an ICW guy, but you know, in like 2020. So when no one's watching, but uh, there's definitely something there in Jack Morris. He looks really good. Um, obviously Thatcher is, you know, Thatcher, but yeah, that, that match really kicked ass. So I would definitely take the time to check that out. And then the main event, um, I did, I did not look up. I, I did not watch this. <laughs> oh, you should definitely watch the main event. No, 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 definitely. This is, this is great. Like, this is so good. That's why I say comparing the two, the two shows and the two top matches, like you've got the work rate match and then you've got the, like, what should be the star power match, the main event. And like, I'm sorry, not Nakamura was phenomenal here. The drama fucking doing everything. But, you know, normally you think like the old man, you got to have the younger guy pinball around and do all the frantic stuff, but he does not necessarily need to do that. He just the selling the facials, but he still does. Like there is definitely Nakamura definitely turns up the physicality, but but he also delivers the charisma <laughs> over the top, the physicality over the top. Like this is kind of a one man show. This is a Nakamura like hall of famer case match um but you know muda was at least was like there for the most part he was he was pretty high up there level muda not like the the bottom of the barrel really shitty muda like we got at the wrestle kingdom um but yeah this is a, a splendid nakamura performance everything you could ever want for nakamura really if you're like if you were ever a fan of nakamura you should definitely check this out because this is like this is basically what we should have been getting for the past however many years that we've just he's just been wasted in WWE. Um, because like it's so impressive to see that this guy can just be fucking basically retired out of wrestling for like fucking five years and then show back up like this as if like he didn't take a day off, six years even. You, you wanna get wanna get yeah. wanna get mad really quick? Sure. Imagine how good Shinsuke versus Jay White would have been. Jesus fucking Christ. God damn it. <laughs> yeah you, yeah God, can you imagine how good shinsuke versus jay white would have been man? <laughs> yeah he's so oh, fucking good oh that sucks yeah god damn it dude yeah this is ah i'm, so, I'm sorry yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i was so caught up in just thinking about how great this match was that that didn't even cross my mind like really how much we, he's been fucking wasted you know people like, say, yeah, like, like people like you know certain people like did that for danielson whenever danielson showed up in AEW. Yeah, I'm like, man, if there's really the person to do that for, like, there's, you know, we're, we're talking about, like, Nakamura, Ricochet, like, no. Walter, like, Pete Dunn, if you want to throw him in there, is a good wrestler still. Like, there's, like, people that, you know, Tyler Bate, like, there's plenty of people to do this right. with. And it's, like, a match like this, and just thinking, like, man, 
if there's ever a pairing made for each other, god damn if it isn't Nakamura and Jay White. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah, that is fucking perfect. Like, oh my god. Ah, fuck. Quentin, you really you, fuck, you ruined my whole weekend. You know that? I'm just oh, not going to be able to get this out of my head thinking about these two. Like, <sighs> Alright, Quentin. Well, if you imagine, if you imagine, imagine, wanna... imagine, imagine Jay White thinking that he's going to sit there and do the strike exchange with Nakamura and Nakamura just fucking lays him out with a knee to the yeah. gut and like Jay is gasping for air. <laughs> yeah, just dying. Ah, oh, coughing up a lung and just yeah. literally <laughs> passing out and dying in the middle of the fucking ring. Ugh. I'm just thinking about Nakamura going like for the, the, the uh, good vibrations or whatever and Jay just doing a fucking low blow, just punching him right in the dick in the middle of it. <laughs> Come like, on, man. Uh, uh, God, getting robbed, getting like potentially robbed of that is like. Uh, it's a crime. It it truly is. It truly is. Um, I don't know, Quentin. If you want to tell me that Santa Claus isn't real or anything else before we go, or <laughs> you're not the only person that I got that I like got today. Though uh, they wanted to like introduce, um, like just reintroduce, like the people that do my job on the morning announcements today. And the other guy came and hang- came and hung over, and okay. so he was just like already like done with it and didn't really want to be there so as they're bringing us over we'd already talked to you like man i don't want to say nothing on the announcements i don't want to say anything but uh so we're getting over there to the uh studio where they do it at and the lady that runs it she is like saying what the script is and things like that we're just gonna introduce just have us you know introduce us and say whatever and now she was like i don't know if you guys want to say anything and i was like you know i think he should i think he should say something (laughs) but he didn't hear me say that until she went over started talking to him and I just couldn't contain myself laughing. <laughs> just like <laughs> couldn't, couldn't even look at him because I just kept laughing. Yeah, yeah. So we uh do the announcements and uh and introduce us and he says whatever he says. And as soon as we're done, I just like bolt out of the room. <laughs> like, Perfect, I, just, yeah. I just like couldn't take it. I just I I just like had to like laugh as hard as I could. And then kids came up to him afterwards like you were kind of awkward on the announcements today. And I was like, yes, this is like <laughs> perfect. So you're not the only one that I've gotten like that. Today. You just completely fucking shit on today. Thanks. Clinton. <laughs> like, the, the mood ruiner. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it, but I'm always in a good mood when I get to do a podcast with you, buddy. Cause uh, you know, that's always great. And like I said, we're catching up on the, um, on the big important week that you talked about. It's the, it's, the dome week it's the new week of the year so everyone's so excited and wrestling looks good right it looks exciting right now it's i'm actually the vince McMahon story is fucking weird but everything else looks like there's actually some positives mm. no it's um again like you like to hear, to hear it come from a wrestler's mouth basically and if, you know it was about last price you can take it with the how take it however you want to but like to hear a wrestler, wrestler be like i don't know why anyone would, would watch crap clap crowd wrestling you're to hear yeah, a wrestler right. say that it's like wow <sighs> okay like hey <laughs> like, thanks <laughs> just <laughs> but like now that like i guess we are in a space where like like again like we consume a lot of japanese wrestling like that's just like primarily what like a lot of what i consume and everything so like watching japanese wrestling has been hard yeah. like it really has been it's been hard and like to maybe get back to a point of normalcy with how we watch wrestling is a good is a good is a good thing so uh 
hopefully we'll see it. We'll see where everything goes and all that. But you know, it's a new it's a new slate, and wrestling's already off to a terrible start. WWE, but maybe the rest of it will will be better. Dynamite's been better, so we'll see. Yeah. <sighs> all right. I I don't know. <laughs> Do we want to close out with anything? Do people? Really, to... really it's just a new year. You. We can have a new. We can have a new closing segment if you really want. just fucked you up with with that one. You really did. I'm like kind of just completely out of it <laughs> now. And now I got to go into my weekend. I was supposed to have a good time. I was supposed to you know relax and I guess maybe not relax, but be active. You know, do the whole thing, recharge for the week. You know, that's a story. Anyways, that's a story for another time. Um. But Quentin, I don't know if you want to do it. Like I said, new year, new closeout. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. This is a little off. This is really uh off the cuff. So maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe next week. But you can follow me on Twitter at Tuesday underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at Rwitch Dutch. Still taking some getting used to doing that. Someone DM'd me the other day thinking that I was Bill Carr. Um, anyway, see, this, see, yeah, <laughs> and that's gonna keep happening because you did that. So I hope so. So you can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. And if you're feeling as so kind to you, can donate to us on coffee. And with that, I don't know what the leak, what like, if there's a cost, there's a cost. We're in America. There's a cost for everything. But maybe we could like legally change Tim's name to Bill Carr. I, and I'm into it. if they happen to DM him asking if he's Bill Carr, then they wouldn't be wrong. So cover up the fees that I guess might go with changing your name. Not sure about the like the logistics of that, but I'm sure I'm sure it costs something. It's America, so it definitely costs something. But thank you all for listening, and hope you're here next time. What's up, bitch? Fuck you! It's still fucking late. Wait, this is ingrained into your being We all finally see you Nothing but an insecure coward